Hello, Liberty lovers. Welcome to the Scottish Liberty Podcast number 17 with me, Tom Laird, and me, Anthony Samroff. Uh, today, we're honoured to have a special guest on the show. We have Alan Melville. Of UKIP. Still of UKIP, yeah. Uh, nice to have you on the show, Alan. Alan and I uh, shared the platform before during the Leith by-election two yes. years ago. For the council. For the council. Uh, I was impressed at that time with his local knowledge and his uh, ability as a public speaker. So it's particularly great um, to have him on the show. Um, so we'll get stuck right in. Yeah, first of all, Alan, I tell you what, tell us, give us a brief resume of your of your political activity. What were you before UKIP? Um, I was sort of a Tory. I was a Tory candidate, actually, at one point, although I was never actually a member of the party at the time. Right. Okay. <laughs> they, had, they had a defection, and a friend I knew who was, in, in, who was, run, who was running for council yeah. said, aren't you running for Hollywood? He said, no, but we've had a defection. Would you do it? Okay. So they chucked me into Airdrie and shops at three weeks' notice, and I was campaigning in a leather jacket and a motorhead T-shirt, and as you know, my hair a little longer than it is now, so it was actually about mid-back, right. saying, hi, hello, I'm your Conservative candidate. And I got a lot of laughs, but uh, not a lot of votes. Okay. Um, I, scraped, I, I scraped into third, um, beating the Scottish Socialist Party by about 40 votes. Well, that's satisfying. That's sure, that's fine. And yeah. myself, right, okay. And then um, after the... I joined UKIP after uh, the incident in Edinburgh where Nigel was basically walked into a pub because people weren't going to let him speak. That late? Okay. And I've always been a Eurosceptic, but I right. wasn't thinking of joining UKIP. Right. When I realised, look, no one's going to let this guy speak, Yeah. I thought, no, sorry, freedom of speech is either, you either have it or you don't. Yeah. And you can't just mob somebody and not let them speak, that's just wrong. Yeah. At that point, I thought, well, I'm going to join UKIP. So I officially joined UKIP about two years ago. All right. All right. Wow. So let's face it, UKIP doesn't exactly have a sterling reputation in Scotland. It's often maligned. You've been called racists and all sorts of other things. I remember looking at the manifesto on your site several years ago, and at that time I thought it was pretty right-wing for me, and there were some things in there that I didn't like. Having read the Scottish UKIP manifesto more recently, there's a lot of stuff in there that I agree with. You guys seem pretty good on civil liberties and you actually have an excellent presentation on YouTube right now on civil liberties that you gave at the SNP and civil liberties. And I just want everyone out there, check out Alan Melville's presentation on the SNP and civil liberties. It is excellent. But I just want you, before we get started, to clear the air, clear any misconceptions that people have uh, about your party and uh, tell us the real story. Well, you keep a basically libertarian party. Um, not perhaps to the same degree you guys are, right. but we believe in civil liberties, we believe in individual individual rights above the state. Um, I think there's a significant, certainly in England, English, almost English nationalist wing right. who take as their bread and butter, Magna Carta, the 1689 Bill of Rights, all this stuff. Right. Which is all good, all, all, yeah. all, all good, all good stuff. Um, we, I put it in a, in a speech, uh, as an assessment speech, that we object to the EU, not just because it's a corporatist, corporatist bureaucratic behemoth, which it is, we yeah. object to that too, <laughs> but because its legal system is fundamentally at odds with our own legal tradition. Right. Where, where we have, where they have an they have an inquisitorial system, mm -hmm. whereas we have an adversarial system. Right. We have trial by jury, by and large across Europe that doesn't happen. Yeah, and it's simply incompatible. And the European mm -hmm. Court of Human Rights, European Court of Justice, which is the supreme body of the EU, yeah, they, these people are activist judges. They're not people who have sat in criminal courts. Mm -hmm. They're lawyers appointed by each country as the activists, and their whole job is to extend the equi communautaire and yeah. remove the powers from our elected officials. Now, right. if you want a voice, you have to be able to get rid of the people you put in power. And I can't get rid of a judge in the ECG. I can't get rid of Yonker or Barroso or any of these people. You can't get rid of them. I didn't elect them. I don't have a say in them. There's no pan-European political party. Yeah. There's no pan-European demos. 
when you get down to brass tacks. And you must have a pan-European demos if you want a pan-European democracy. what demos is for people who might not know. We must have the... It's easier to describe it as the UK has a demos. A pretty much homogeneous, sharing similar cultural norms, similar, similar belief systems, similar understanding of politics and democracy and how the vote works. That doesn't apply. Legal and constitutional arrangements in all these other, in, say, Poland and Hungary and Austria and France, Germany and the United Kingdom, Sweden, are all, all of them slightly different. In, in many cases, vastly different. And the understanding, therefore, of the citizen and how they affect their government and their rights under that government are very different in all these different countries. So there is no general, generally shared political culture in yeah. Europe. And I think I'd be right in saying that at one time, I think probably it's still on the table that the EU had proposed that every region in Europe, which would include Britain, Scotland, mm-hmm. should have a EPP, a European Public Prosecutor, yes. which would mean that European law would have a bearing in our own legal system. Now, not a lot of people know this, but there are many places in Europe where I believe that, um, I'm sure it's the case where, for example, here in the UK, you do not have to identify yourself to a policeman, okay? Sure. Right, you, you, unless he suspects you of having committed a crime, you know, for just normal purposes, you don't have to identify yourself to the police. However, and he must identify himself to you. Correct. There are many places in Europe, and I think including Germany, where that's conspicuously the opposite way around. Exactly. And you have to identify yourself constantly to the state. That's just a simple thing, but that's a, that's a basic difference between our, our, our It's system. a basic political and cultural, culturally yeah. political difference. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other issue is, and you were talking about European public prosecutors, you've got um, Europol. Um, now, Europol, the officers of Europol have diplomatic immunity. Okay. <laughs> Straight up, I'm not actually joking. Right. So you have somebody, now they officially can't make arrests, but they can instruct local police forces, mm. national police forces, to make arrests and make investigations. Okay. But the people in charge have diplomatic immunity. Right. That, that means you can't touch them. Literally, they can't be arrested. They can, they can, they can fit somebody up and they can't even be charged for it. Right. They don't have to have... I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah. Genuinely terrifying. I don't know about yeah. you. I mean, no, I'm, I'm sure, sure we all saw Lethal Weapon too. <laughs> you, know, you could even give me a parking ticket. But yeah. that's the position we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also got you've got European gendarmerie now. Now the great thing about European gendarmerie, you know, that's a very much it's a paramilitary police force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, France has had a gendarmerie for for a couple hundred, couple hundred years, maybe yeah. hundred years certainly. But it's not controlled. The European one is not controlled by national governments. Mm. They can only operate in a, in a country by invitation. They can't go in without invitation. Yeah. But once in. If Britain invites the European gendarmerie into the UK, Britain would have no say. The British government has no say in what okay. they do and how they act. And yeah. that's true of any other country in Europe. So if the European gendarmerie are operating in Italy, the Italian government has no say in how they operate. Mm. And that's really quite scary. Well, I find it frightening, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a paramilitary force, with that, that, that means they're guys, these, these are guys armed with machine guns, yeah. with powers of arrest, powers of detention. Part of interrogation, yeah. and you as a citizen have no recourse over these people because they're not controlled by your government. Your government can't stop them. You can't change your government and say this is a bad thing. Yeah, but what's I mean, like obviously the the reputation of UKIP goes. I mean, people would say the same things. It's the same. It's like a broken record almost. You know, yeah, you've got, uh, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think as a, as, I, as a young I've been, girl, I've been called to my face. <laughs> In, in a political hustings right. by representatives of the Greens, representatives of the SNP. In fact, yeah. the SNP member in question in question is now an MP. Right. Um, and, and very briefly, by a member from the candidate from Left Unity, all of them called me both a racist and a fascist to my face. Okay. <laughs> and uh, actually, they, to be specific, they, called, they, called, they, they said, I belong to a racist and fascist party. It's a very fine line to draw. If they okay. called me it directly, All right. then, then I can sue. Yeah. But by claiming the parties, it's, right. hard, it's much harder, it's much harder to deal with. It to me. If you can demonstrate that UKIP isn't a racist and fascist party, it's not so difficult for to prove those, you're not fascist. Yeah. <laughs> for those who believe that, tell us the case. 
why they're so misled and why do they think that? I think they're mis- they're misled because of a because of the sixth form politics that you get from the progressive mm-hmm. left. Yeah. Um, their favourite tactic has been for at least the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. If it's you really were stepped do- up in the last ten years, though, oh, very very much and so, especially in the last three or four. Oh yeah, uh, they want you shut down the racist, scream racist, sexist, Islamophobe, homophobe. And I mean, the classic one was. The, 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 with the gay London gay yeah. pride yeah. trying to ban UKIP LGBT guys because you're gay you're not allowed to vote UKIP so you can't go and gay pride I mean this is it's, it's insane yeah, yeah. I was, uh, so to, be, to, be fair, to be fair David Coburn uh, David Coburn took Peter Patch along very well on, on the daily politics of that yeah. one. and mm-hmm. to be very clear to, to Peter Patch was a man I admire quite a lot yeah. Um, yeah. to be very fair to the man he actually rescinded his comments about a day later. So after okay. having, having thought about it, he said, yeah, you know, you've actually made a good point. Your sexuality does not define your politics. It does yeah. not define which way you're going yeah. to vote. It doesn't yes. define the political party you will vote for or be a member yeah. of. Um, I mean, it seems to me that the only people acting like fascists in that instance was the, the gay pride. <laughs> and it's, ro- it's yeah. wrong to call them the progressive left because they're the regressive left. And because their their policies are aggressive, you know, only yesterday, someone basically insinuated that the only reason why we'd be criticizing Clinton or putting her on a level of badness with Trump is that I'm sexist. And you think, really, are we going down that road? But the thing is, I've learned on Facebook to just turn it around on them and say, you know, I find the insinuation that I might be sexist, substitute racist, incredibly offensive. And made a point. And usually, if they're not the worst hostile kind, they'll start backtracking and go, oh no, I wasn't saying you were sexist. (laughs) I was just saying that people might think. Because the one thing you're not allowed to do is offend someone, according to these people. Now, Uh, I'm really sorry. The problem is that these people are instinctively offended. I know. Yeah. Well, it's offensive to say somebody's wrong. But but it's worse. They take, they're not offended personally. They take offence on behalf well, yeah, of other that's people. What annoys even me. though these other people may not actually be offended. Yeah. Right, right. And that is actually very, very scary. It's actually, the, the mentality behind that is frightening. Bending over backwards shit. to yes. be offended. But, but it's worse because it's it's um, incredibly patronising. So yes. if you... It's I mean, the, 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 one yeah. that was, the one that was came up the other day was, there was a joke, somebody made a joke on stage that he couldn't see a black security guard. Mm-hmm. And the black security guard just laughed it off. But the professional offensive about it was Gaza. It was, it was, it was Gaza. Paul Gascoigne. Right, yeah, he was yeah. doing some sort of... He's going to make money somehow. He's doing some sort of gig. And he said, smile so I can see you. Yeah. That's what he said to the guy. But the security guard just laughed it off as... You're an idiot. Oh, but you know, what did he get? Two grand fines? Racism. Yes, exactly. He, he doesn't even realise that he's being impressed, so people need to get offended on his behalf. That's But it's worse, because but, they didn't just get offended on his behalf. The guy making the comment, Gaz is charged for this. Mm. He's framed for this. We have a police force in Scotland that has a unit entirely dedicated to policing Twitter. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and that's that. spread yeah. in, spreading and, in England as well. And yet they cannot... I mean, I've, and during my job, I've had the, the, the cause to call out the police maybe, I don't know, 20 times in the last three years. They have yet to attend. Police Scotland have yet to attend. Even on 999 calls, the best I got was about an hour. And what they will do... You'll find this will happen, you know, you, you say, look, something's happening outside, there's a disturbance, could you come? You'll get a phone call about two hours later saying, how's that going? You say, well, it's all over now. You know, okay, right, fine. The very fact that they've phoned you, they will mark that down as an attendance. So they tell you they have no they have no manpower, they have no money, and yet they have the manpower and the money to set up this unit and police the internet and arrest people for teaching their dogs to do a Hitler salute. You know, you know. As a comedian once said, so what if you're offended? Nothing happens. It's not like your arm falls off. You don't wake up the next morning and with leprosy. And <laughs> listen, people, we really need to raise our game here. Yeah. You know, we need to start talking about reason and evidence and not attacking the character of the person we're debating with. If you think they're a bigot, good, block them. Tell all your friends not to speak to that guy or not to buy 
food from their chippy or, or whatever it is. But this relentless name-calling has actually devalued the word sexist and racist and homophobe where they actually need not be applied. And now it's getting to the point where the alt-right and stuff is celebrating this and just whenever anyone says sexist or racist, they go, ha, 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 oh, you said sexist, lol. And it's become a joke. It's It's getting to Godwin's law, isn't it? Yeah. 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 (laughs) As soon as you start bringing that in, you're starting to lose the argument. And this is part of the problem. We've been portrayed as a party. Okay. We've been portrayed as this obsessed with race, obsessed with immigration, obsessed with... In fairness, there's been a few members of the party that haven't helped you along the way. To be fair, there have have been people who've made those comments. Um, But they were. were. In fact, um, I, I personally was suspended. Um, after, during uh, during the um, just after the referendum campaign, okay, because we've been kept at the foot of the walk, right, and we've been handing out leaflets and grassroots for grassroots out. This wasn't it's not a party political thing. So we had Labour Party members, we had a couple of SNP guys, we had a couple of the guy from Greece. We had, you know, <laughs> yeah, interesting. The guy from Greece is trying to get us out of the but. Um, one of the people there, um, we didn't. I didn't know who he was. He turned out to be Kenny Anderson, who is a partner of the Scottish Regional Organiser for the BNP. Okay. Wow. So, and I was photographed. We were in the bar after we all went and sat down, and somebody took a photograph, and we all sitting there, <laughs> and that got published on a blog. Yeah. And it's like you get guys with with BNP. You know, and I didn't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know them from a bar of soap. But uh, so what I had to do, I had to go online and. Um, point out that we didn't know who they were and that we wouldn't be doing it. We Obviously, yeah. now we knew who they were. Yeah. We would not be associating further politically with them because no, the okay. BNP no. are pretty much beyond the pale as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You but, heard it from a UKIP. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we are, the, we are actually, I don't know about Scottish Libertarians, but we are, we have, a, UKIP has an official policy. If you're ex-National Front, ex-BNP, ex-Britain First, you're not allowed to be a party member. End off. Right, and if yeah. we find out after that you joined and you had been, Okay. We so you're out. trying to keep squeaky clean. Well, we, we, the problem is we have to. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Labour... Because you're under more scrutiny than any exactly. other Exactly. Well, Labour in the north of England have, I think, four ex-BNP councillors. Wow. <laughs> you know, right, okay. um, yeah. no one mentions those. Well, there is, <laughs> because there are certain similarities between... Well, we don't have that. That if they, we did have that policy, I, thought, I wouldn't be a member of the, of the Scottish Libertarian Party um, because in, in my past uh, I was involved in, in extreme white right wing politics. Um, I, I I no longer believe in that. For start, it's statism, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, it's you know, funny actually that the, the, these guys actually are genuinely big state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if you you look at you look at like Nick Griffin's mob. Yeah, and they are. <laughs> they're actually much closer to want... to the to the to Jer- the Jeremy Corbyn type yeah. Yeah. tendency where the state controls everything. Yeah. Well, they they want... if you if you take away the the actual racism, mm-hmm. the policies are almost identical. Well, yeah, that's sure. the thing. They want the government to be daddy. Labour want the government to be mummy. They still big. They still want yeah. the government to be our parents. Yeah. Now, one of the peculiar and interesting things of of our show is I used to be a leftist. And we both came around to being libertarians and I don't think there's any turning back once but the thing is to call a libertarian a racist, which I was having a conversation about slavery on on Facebook and just pointing out some of the interesting facts about how lots of slaves were Irish, how yeah. just as many regular white fact, European slaves were taken yeah. to the they Middle were, East. They were regu- regular, regular slave, slaving raids by the um, Barbary Corsairs. Right. Yes. Yeah. An entire town or and was there was an away, insinuation that it might be racist. Uh, I said, you know what, it's, it's, pretty, given that, it's pretty unlikely that I'm going to be racist given I'm a rabid individualist. And racism is one of the crudest forms of collectivism, you know? <laughs> right, let's talk about a point where your party is certainly to the right of me. Mm. Um, I want to know why UKIP says they're for so many cuts, but they want to increase military spending. Is that not just living up to the worst reputation of being on the right, which is, oh, they say they're for small government and they want to cut things for the most vulnerable, but the first thing they're going to do is increase the military spending. 
as Thatcher did, as Reagan did, and many of the right have. Interesting point. Actually, under Thatcher, I believe it was the first time, it was 1986, Thatcher was the first Prime Minister under who uh, NHS spending overtook defence spending. Right. But there you go. Right, okay. <laughs> Interesting. But, but it's uh, something I, I embed somewhere. But, um, yeah, the, the, the first duty of any government is to protect the citizens. Uh, protect them internally from criminals. Okay. And to protect them externally from exterior oh, yeah. enemies. Yeah. Um, we have cut the British army to the point it's no longer an army. And it's literally not an army. Uh, officially, an army has to be over 100,000 strong. It's now a militia. Okay. <laughs> you know, the Royal Navy, if I recall correctly, in around 1997, they were asked by the incoming Labour government, how many surface ships do you need? Right. And they said, I think it was 37. And it was cut to 29. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've cut the military to the point that we're building a couple of aircraft carriers across the fourth. Yeah. And we can't actually afford, afford, to, put we can't afford to put the aircraft on it, yeah. and we can't we don't have the escort ships because we've cut the we've cut the military to that point. It's it's utterly you've got to balance it. I do, I get that. But is it okay, let's let's look at it from this point of view. I mean I mean I genuinely don't know. I mean when I mean I'm not privy to the information that people in, in government are privy to. No. So I really don't know. But I would need to at least ask the question. I think it's good to ask the question. I mean, do we really need? I mean, we are not, despite wanting to be, we are not the mil- we are not the military power. We are not the hegemon. Uh, we're not the empire that we once were. Yes, Pakistan is long gone. Yeah, who are we going to war with? You know, I mean, if we, do we have the capability to defend ourselves as is, or do we really? No, if you need them, you need them. That's it. But do we really need these aircraft carriers? Do we really need these nuclear submarines? Do we need the aircraft carriers? I don't honestly know. I'm not not an expert. Um, I can say that as an island, all our foreign trade by definition comes by sea. Okay. Therefore, we have to be able to keep the sea lanes open in the event of any conflict. And while while you have allies, you've got the moment the United States is is, is an ally... Um, you have France as an ally, but that's not always been the case. Um, you have to be able to protect your own trading interests. For, take, for example, um, 1982, Argentina invaded the Falklands, and uh, they had there were sufficient forces available to stop them. That I mean, what we forget is if you put ten thousand men in the field, they're going to be in the field for three months. Yeah. After which they're away refitting for the next three to six months. Yeah. And another ten thousand men have to go in. Another ten thousand men have to be ready to go in to replace them. So you, so for every soldier you put in the field, effectively in modern warfare, it's, you need about three times that many. That's why the British Army is so overstretched. We currently at the point where we would have trouble putting thirty. Well, it'd be nice if we, we put, had we put, gone we put to war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, I mean, the, are you, were you against both of those wars? I was against Iraq. I was against Iraq. I was in Pakistan. I was actually, I was actually in Pakistan when the twin towers came down. Wow. Okay. I was teaching in Lahore, okay. and um, I remember the guy that she shared the house with. Uh, oh boy, he'd been—I mean, he'd been through through, through partition—and he'd seen nothing. He said a couple of cousins and an uncle being killed because obviously, when the partition for those of those listening who don't know what partition was, it's a 1948 partition of India after yeah, yeah. the British left, and all there's a huge wave of Muslims went from. India right. to Pakistan, yeah. a huge wave of non-Muslims, Hindus mostly, moved from Pakistan to, to the, and they all sort of met in the middle of the Kashmir and they all started killing each other. Right. And about a million people Around died by all, accounts, by all accounts. But this old guy, he'd been through that and he was literally banging the table going, no true Muslim would do this. This is an absolute disgrace. Right. And he was genuinely condemnatory of the Taliban and giving how can you give sanctuary to these people? The thing is, we didn't. We would not have gone into Afghanistan if the, if the Taliban had handed over Al Qaeda. I mean, well, we should not because that was that was the demand, wasn't it, it? The demand was they've done this. This is an act of war. And what they said, hand them over, the, and they said no. Well, okay. actually, the, the Taliban said, "Would you pre- please present us the evidence that Osama bin Laden was responsible for 9/11, which hadn't." been released or materialised yet. At the time, Osama bin Laden wasn't even on America's 
wanted list for terrorists because they hadn't actually proven that it was him. And they said, give us the evidence and we'll hand over Osama bin Laden. You had something similar happening when we went into war on Iraq. Let the weapons inspectors back in. Okay, he let the weapons inspectors back in. And they kept on making more and more demands until they found a demand that he wouldn't comply with. I mean, if they needed to, they'll say, right, if you get your willy out on television, <laughs> then we won't go to war with you. you know? I, I, I and I really I, I believe think, I think, I think there was an agenda there to go was certainly to in war. Iraq, I would agree with that. There was a, I think there was an agenda to go to war in the Middle East long before 9-11 happened. They were, they were ordering medical supplies before a debate happened in Parliament, so they'd already decided to go to war. And I really don't think that um, anything would have made a difference because we know about the project for the new American century and how they've been planning these wars for decades. I don't necessarily need to debate you on the Afghanistan war, though, unless you want to come back on that. I'm fine with that. I've not not gone into that in detail, so... You mean you make you yeah. probably know more about it than I do. All I can say well, is I was the, 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 the very anti war. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of the Iraq war, yeah, yeah. what the hell will we do? Yeah, okay. I mean, seriously, so we um, that, 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 that was insane. Yeah. Um, Saddam Saddam was a was a loony. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, and why do we always have to say that? No, no, no. no, no can it not be accepted as a given that we're yeah. not for Saddam Hussein? Well, well, I think I think it is a problem that you do that. You almost do have to say yeah. that because the so, media so the media will turn around and go, well, you know, if you, you're for Saddam, yeah, exactly. I mean, how could I be for Saddam? I, well, I, I, I suppose I could be. Yeah. People could no, no. People could say that because my mother's sister actually married a man who was a brigadier general in the Iraqi army. <laughs> so my cousin, all, 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 they have their three, their three, their three daughters are are, are all half Iraqi. But I think I think the so, point is yeah. with with Iraq that um, it, it was not it wasn't just a mistake. I mean, they knew what That's they were the doing at the time. That's the problem with Obama, yeah. right? He said he was a he was against the Iraq War because it was a tactical error or something like that. Not because it was immoral. Not because the president went to war without a declaration of war. You just cannot just you can't just go around picking and choosing which countries you like their government and what which yeah. you don't, despite what America thinks. But I think I think we'll all agree that, that, that Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, but the world's full of bad guys. China was run by a bad guy. You know, it, 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 right, okay. <laughs> so it's like we, we, yeah, well, I mean, well, well, this is yeah. who, who, my, my argument with this was always who do you pick? Or yeah. Saddam today what, we're going to do the Ayatollahs in Iran yeah. tomorrow? What about the King of Saudi Robert Mugabe. Robert Mugabe, King of Saudi Arabia. Um, Chavez in, think... in, in Venezuela. What's it? Um, the Castros in Cuba. The yeah. North Korea. I mean, you know, there, there are a million bad guys in the yeah. world if you want to look hard enough. Yeah. And you can always find an excuse. Yeah, sure. I agree. And people say that the anti-war marches and that didn't do any good. Okay, we didn't manage to stop the war. I guarantee if it wasn't for the mass protests against the Iraq war, we would have been in Iran as well. And they could not just continue their endless campaign. And we know that at the time the Dick Cheney's and Rumsfeld's and of the world were calling for it. I mean, Bibi Netanyahu is still trying to goad America into attacking Iran. Okay. Um, I fear we're getting off the mark here. I would like to discuss... I would like to. It's a a bigger subject than we've got time for, I think. So (laughs) I think we'll move on to the next point, which is... uh, Unless, sorry, unless you're really desperate to put I was just going to... I just wanted to quickly put up a case about military spending, right? Okay. And I have said this on the show before, but as far as I know, it's a military fact that you don't need parity of forces to win in a war. As we saw, when we got a hiding in Afghanistan, Israel got a hiding in Lebanon. Um, And America... If you put a conventional force into, into a guerrilla war, that's so that's so far so good. But you have to assume that you're going to have a conventional okay. war. You have to prepare for it. So you it, want the Swiss Army knife I'm, approach? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, you I mean, uh, you can you can say that you can lose a guerrilla war. That being said, um, the British Army managed to bring the IRA almost to a standstill. Okay. You know, I mean, whether you agree with either side. 
But ultimately, they were trying to fight a, a, a guerrilla war. They, they were in the army I, I certainly was. I served in Northern Ireland. I don't know. We had 65,000 troops in mm. Ulster. I, I, we don't have 65,000 <laughs> troops to put into Ulster. Right, well, that's true. We had 65,000 troops in Ulster. If the IRA had been twice the size of what they were, they could have really gave us a t- I mean, they... they we can find that we managed to control them in Belfast and in Londonderry. The, the big bugbear was still South Armagh. That was the area that was the, that was the main problem. And they, they, they caused us a lot of problems yeah, there and they caused they, us a lot they, of casualties. These, this sort of war is very difficult to win. As you yeah. say, you need overwhelming force. And it's very difficult when you're fighting, in effect, your own citizens. Yeah. Because you, unless you're going to... Um, I would. I imagine. I imagine that Adolf Hitler would have would have would have solved would have solved it overnight. But Pretty quickly. He would, he would have yeah. done it. But he would have done, done it by wiping out the entire population. You've sure. got to accept the greens, that there are, there's there are degrees of badness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You 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 want to you want to inflict the minimum the minimum collateral damage and the minimum damage on your on your on your own people and on innocents who are not not involved. Sure. And that's actually a very difficult thing. And the more we get into modern weaponry, modern weapons are designed for significant, significant injuries and significant, significant. Ex- ex- They're designed to maim rather than kill because yeah. it causes that that creates a bigger drain on the enemy's resources and yes. actually just wiping somebody out. So, uh, which is yes, which is. I'm not sure if that's actually something that we should be encouraging. But, no, yeah. but anyway, anyway. So we're moving along. Uh, what's the point of you, Kit? Okay, we've got to the stage Having now. Having won. Well, <laughs> we, you could argue, as, as I've said earlier, that UKIP's possibly one of the most successful parties of all time. Nigel Farage, you could say, is one of the most successful politicians of all time. They set, they put out a, a manifesto. This is what we want to do. We want to withdraw Britain from the UK, uh, want to withdraw the UK from the European Union. Mm-hmm. They seem to have won that. However, well, yeah. I've got my ideas about why the UKIP still needs to, to be around, but what do you say? What's the point of UKIP now that you've got what you wanted? Well, there's two, well, there's two points. Um, first off, while we got the vote, we won the vote. Right. We haven't won the war yet. Mm. We're still in the EU. Yeah. Um, we still, somebody has to hold, uh, I think it was, the, as uh, I think Diane James put it, we have to hold the, Mrs. May's kitten heels to the fire. Okay. <laughs> Diane May being the Diane, new UK Diane leader. James being the new, new UK leader. Oh, yeah, Diane James, sorry. Um, uh, and we do. We, somebody, because if, if you don't keep the pressure on, mm-hmm. the establishment will, will pull it off. The, they, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, I think we're all aware of that there are an awful lot of vested interests which would... They only yeah. held the referendum because they thought they couldn't lose it. Yeah. Now that they've lost it, they're trying, they're trying, to, they're, they're trying to wriggle out of it. They're trying to resile from, from the vote. Um, and somebody has to do that. As long as there is a UKIP standing there going, we're winning votes. You know, we've got six six members, should be mm-hmm. seven, but Nathan Gill's currently independent. In the Welsh Assembly, you're right. winning council seats. As long as that's happening... Will they, they still, still get still the there. same support now that people... F- Feel that the, the the point has been made and the and the, um, the issues I won. Think we will. I okay. think we will. Um, there, there, there's a, there's a couple of serious issues here. Um, if we look at the north of England, yeah. If you look to the constituency map for the referendum, I don't know if you've seen it, but if it, if it had been my constituency, four hundred four hundred and something constituencies would have voted to leave. Right. That's a lot of voters, and they're not represented by Jeremy Corbyn's Labour mm-hmm. Party. I, I mean. I was thinking, thinking out who could represent all these people. Yeah. I mean, Labour can't. Labour is obsessed with identity politics and sixth form, sixth form debating. Really, yeah. they're, they're not interested in in representing. Well, they certainly the don't seem to be interested in the working classes. No, God. Well, they, they, if you look in at fact, the, they seem to be slagging off the working class at every opportunity. <laughs> the, the, according to the current Labour the Labour Party and their cheerleaders, certainly the Guardian and yeah. elsewhere. The Brexit voters are thick racist plebs, you know. Yeah. White van man. Yeah, white van man. Yeah. Emily Thornberry's infamous tweet. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Labour can't do it. The Tories are in hop to the, to the to corporate, corporatism and, mm-hmm. and the city. Well, I can agree with you on that <laughs> and everything you said so far. Go on. Okay, let me go on. Um, the Liberal Democrats are demonstrating at the party conference that they're not not particularly liberal or they're not democratic. Yeah. If they're democrat, you accept the the vote. Um, 
the SNP when we live under them. Yeah. Um, the, the SNP actually don't think they, rep, they represent anybody other than the grievance mongers. Mm. Their only interest is grievance. The only interest the SNP have is telling the people of Scotland that England is to blame for all their problems and mm-hmm. trying to break up the union. That's their only interest. They can't represent... Well, that and introducing a liberal legislation. Yeah, they? name person schemes, arresting people for singing songs. That's a little oh. bit of fascism between friends. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the SNP, but the SNP can't represent ordinary, ordinary people because ordinary people want to bring up their own kids and, and build their own lives. Yeah. The SNP don't want that. The SNP want to tell you all how to live. Mm. Um, and keep like, yourself in power for oh, as long as that, that true but to them the point of power is to tell people how to live yeah right and, and that's a they, they, that, that doesn't represent anything mummy government knows best you know the yeah. government knows best oh yeah better than you do well, I believe it's the nice experts <laughs> it was funny I was at Hustings at the Scottish Parliament and everybody everybody on the panel agreed that only a tiny fraction of people Abuse our kids, and my point was: so why are we criminalising everybody? Because yeah, that's the that's the point of the name personal scheme. It assumes it assumes it assumes guilt. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. As soon as you've had a child, you're a nonce right away. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The presumption of innocence has to be defended by somebody, right? right. And nobody else to do it. <laughs> you know? Well, we, yeah. except for with you, except yeah, if you guys, but famous for a small, you, small party. But, yeah. And yeah, we're, 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 we're not huge. We're a small movement. Until a few years ago, most people in Scotland hadn't even heard of a libertarian. I just want to mention: even if we get out of the EU, we're not out of the woods because Britain's a member of sixty pan-national bodies at the moment. Many of them are pan-European. Some of them include Norway and Finland. Some of them don't. Some include this country. But they are binding agreements and, and they put constraints on us. If you are of a libertarian bent, and you know there's some people on the left who are certainly very strong on civil liberties, even though they don't believe in our views on economic liberties, um, then you really need to look at how many entangling agreements and things are being imposed on us that aren't to do... Now, I'm not... A, massive flag waver in favour of the of democracy but uh, lots of people yeah. claim to believe in democracy. I personally, pref- personally prefer the constitutional republic model. I don't want people to vote on what colour socks I'm allowed to wear and <laughs> I, know, I know that might be a trivial point but it does illustrate it is, someone yeah. it is might not be for... The, the worrying thing yeah. about it is the colour socks we've got, we've got to that point we're almost got to that point here in Scotland. We have a bill in force at the moment where you can't sing songs if mm-hmm. you can't sing certain songs if you're wearing a certain colour of scarf. Yeah. And the problem is they haven't even defined what songs can't be sung by whom. No. So, so the, it, it's yeah. so wide ranging. This way, if, if you if you were to wear a ranger scarf, God yeah. help you, and go out go to Ibrox and sing "God Save the Queen" outside Ibrox, you could get lifted mm-hmm. for singing the national anthem. When your law is that badly written and that wide ranging, yeah. you have you given far too much power to people over whom you have very little control. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that is that is the worrying thing. It's not just the idea behind the laws, it's the fact that they, they don't define what is actually illegal properly, yeah. which allows and the EU's been very good at this as well. Yeah. They Allow mission creep. It's yeah. the, the, the ratcheting. Laws, ratcheting. Yeah. The, 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 the treaties, the laws, everything, every regulation is designed specifically for to be so you can ratchet it up. Yeah. So you can in, increase the power. And that, you really have to wonder. Did that, yeah. A, I think, have they read 1984? Right. And, and it's B, not meant to be a bloody instruction <laughs> exactly, manual. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that's where we're going. I These think. people appear to be taking it as an instruction manual. And with the, ve- the problem is it's with the very best of intentions. Well, I don't know. I think oh. in some cases it is. And I think in some cases you have people who actually get high in having power over others. And I think if you were going to design a society in which you can exclude anyone for whatever reason, a really great way to do it is make sure that everyone is against the law. I, but for something <laughs> they're doing, you, know, you don't have to enforce the law until you want to get someone. But doesn't that doesn't that take us right back to why UKIP opposes the EU and the right. traditions of justice? 
The tradition of justice in the UK has very much been, if it's not explicitly banned, go right ahead. Okay. Right. In, whereas in Europe, it's not been. It's, if it's not specifically allowed, we're going to bust it. We can bust right. it for Okay. And that's a very, that's not entirely accurate, but it, it's a it's a fairly a fairly rough dichotomy. It's not specifically allowed. Therefore, if you cross us, we can bust you for it. Yeah. We won't most of the time, but we have the right to at any point. And that the tragedy of that is that. People who believe in law, they make these laws and they forget that they're enforced by people. Mm-hmm. They're enforced by people and people people with prejudices, people with biases. However much you try and change them, people, people, people with their own positions and their own likes and their own dislikes and their own priorities. And if the law is badly written, those priorities mm-hmm. yeah. are... Those biases come out in its ex- in the execution of the law, okay. and that is that is a fundamental problem. The way we are we are working our laws and our regulations today, because Parliament here and the Scottish Parliament in Hollywood is very much starting to move into this sort of field. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, there was I don't know if you ever saw that program with Michael Portillo in the History of Parliament. There was a very interesting point that he was doing a thing of the History of Parliament, and he was in the in Westminster, there's a there's a big room where they have all the laws that are passed every year. Wow! And there are all these quite thin volumes. Yeah. Up until 1907. Right. Wow. Because that's when they started paying MPs. Wow. And at that point, the amount of laws passed the next, that year suddenly were twice as much as the previous. Right. Year. And has it yeah. grown exponentially? And it continues yeah. to grow every year because yeah. they, they, it's like they've, we're being paid. We've got to justify our existence. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads to that leads to the growth of bureaucrat, of bureau, bureaucracy. Yeah. And bureaucracy is, of course, utterly inimical yeah. Yeah. to individual freedom. Well, generally, the more laws that a nation has, the more corrupt it is. Or, yeah. yeah, and the less rated. Yeah. I think quite it different. would be quite nice to just burn the building down and maybe just simplify the to don't hit people, don't take their stuff, don't defraud or manipulate people. And just let's just start again from there. But I think <laughs> a lot of lawyers and judges will be really pissed off that all that crap we've learned. I was asked, is, I was yeah. asked um, in fact, Tom, you were there. Right. Um, well, no, you weren't. Because it, it, it was the same, same building. Okay. It was for the Scottish Parliament election. I was asked, what private member's bill would you put forward? We were all asked the same question. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, and I actually quoted it, uh, I said, no freeman shall be taken or imprisoned or be deceased of his freehold or his due customs or rights or be exiled or outlawed or be in any other wise destroyed, nor will we not condemn him save by judgment of his peers or by the law of the land. All right. We will sell to no man we will deny or defer to no man either justice or right. Now that's clause twenty nine of Magna Carta. It doesn't apply in Scotland because of course it's separate. yeah okay. We were separate kingdoms at the time. Yeah. But that, to me, is the is is the ethos of law. Right. Yeah. That's how it should be. You, unless somebody stands there, unless you're convicted. Yeah. By by a jury. You can't be touched, and that then you have to imply. And the burden of proof is on the prosecution. And the burden of proof is on the prosecution. The presumption of innocence has to be there. Yeah. The, the and the Greek, the Greek, that second sentence that we shall not, we shall deny or defer to no man. That's the essence of habeas corpus. Okay. Yeah. They can't just bang you up and leave you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's one of the. One of the few stands I've seen a politician make, which I thought was genuinely impressive over the last decade or so, was David Davis resigning his seat when Shadow Home Secretary over the plans of it was Gordon Brown's Labour government to impose ninety days detention without trial. Yes, and that I mean that's because it's a fundamentally wrong thing to do. Yeah. I mean, if you've got evidence. Arrest them, try them, and if they're convicted, well, I mean, they're convicted. I don't know if you don't, yeah. if you don't have the evidence, you can't just bang them up because you don't, yeah. you don't like them. Yeah. It's, just, it's just it, that's more dangerous. If it was done to me, I think I would confess to just about anything. 
That's no ev- that actually invalidates the evidence because people will do anything if you if you yeah. kidnap them. Yeah. They'll say anything. Yeah. It, it's a fundamental fundamentally illiberal thing to do. And yeah. a fundamentally natural thing for big state yeah. lovers to, to do. Absolutely. And, and it's something that I think we all all three of us here yeah. certainly all oppose, but um, back to, if I can go back to UKIP it's something that UKIP right. opposes entirely okay. uh, I mean it was quite nice to have a, a speaker at the party conference Bournemouth just a couple of weeks ago and he's standing going I am so proud that I can stand up and say I'm a Jew without being attacked mm. without be, without anybody actually caring about it right. because I'm in UKIP okay. and that that's actually quite worrying he, that he has to that he felt he had to say that was one of our one of our delegates from from Birmingham, I think. But he's it, it's sad that somebody has to say that. Yeah, because because what matters is not whether you're Muslim or Jewish or Christian or whether your skin's a particular mm-hmm. shade of shade of pink or brown. What matters is what matters is who you are, what you do with your life, and how you offend, how you deal with other people, how you interact with other people. Yeah. Um, and what your values are. The, yeah, exactly. The val- you, if your values, if your values include the idea that you can have a slave because they have a different religion to you, then I'm sorry, you're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there's, just, there's, yeah. there's no right. There's no right to this. Um, the, the it's something. <laughs> I know you were we were talking about we're not the Pax Britannica empire mm-hmm. anymore, but I find it extremely ironic that. Is probably the greatest achievement of the British Empire, because it was the not just the abolition of slavery, but the fact that across the globe today, with a few notable exceptions like ISIS, slavery is absolutely abhorrent. Yeah. In all countries, and yet this if slavery, human slavery, had been practiced for thousands of years by all societies. Yeah, that's true. And it is now beyond the pale. And it's, it's something that we really yeah. we should all be genuinely proud of, and we should stand up for. Uh, you know, when we see people being trafficked into mm-hmm. prostitution, that's slavery. Yeah, if we see when we see um, when we see somebody bringing in their domestic servant and keeping them in a locked room, and that's slavery. I mean, bollocks to that. None of this stuff should be allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's against the law. It's against. Every principle of civilization, we must stand up for that. Well, you're not going to get an argument out of yours on that one. So, <laughs> and it's pretty boring when you don't get an argument. So, well, the first thing I would just say, just briefly, what I would say is, would, would you, I mean, libertarians, I suppose a fundamental difference between libertarians and, and UKIP would be at our core, I'm going to qualify this at our core, a, a fundamental libertarian thing would be freedom of movement, okay, across borders. Yeah. However, I think even some of the most ardent extreme libertarians would agree that you cannot have freedom of movement and, and a generous welfare state, state at the same time. <laughs> if, if we didn't have a generous welfare state, would would your viewpoint on immigration be the same as it is within UKIP, that, that we need uh, stronger borders, stronger immigration I controls? I can't speak for the whole party. Right. I can say it would be different. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's not because it's not purely an economic issue. It's not purely no. a welfare issue. It's also a uh, assimilation issue, a cultural issue. But I mean, you own your own property, Alan. I, I take it. All right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Let's suppose <laughs> I we do. This is Tony's flat, yeah. and he's got a relation in Canada, America, yeah. and he wants to bring their entire family here and live with him in his flat. It's his property. He pays the rent. You know, if. If they're not, if 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 the if they're not going to overload the the sewage system in the flat, yeah, yeah then, well, that's then his lookout. You know, and well, I guess his neighbours can well, sue him for well, that. Or, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so if if he gets nailed for that, then that's his problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the issue is there is an extent where I'm going to call multiculturalism out here. Okay. Because okay. multiculturalism has led to ghettoisation. In large parts of, of this country, it has led to ghettoization. There are parts of um, England, parts of, parts of cities in England, where if, if you're a young woman, you don't walk in a, in a mini skirt or trousers. You just don't. 
because somebody's gonna, gonna, gonna either consider you fair game, yeah. or they're gonna they're gonna scream abuse at you because that's not culturally accepted to, acceptable it, to them. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. they have yeah. they're and, not being libertarian. Because they're imposing their cultural values. Exactly, exactly. Um, the, the tragedy is that a lot of a lot of immigrants mm-hmm. to this country came to this country yeah. to free the to flee fleeing the problems yeah. that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but kind of brought it. Yeah, and to an extent, well, to extent they did. It, it, yeah. it's, it's 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 an issue. Yeah. And but it's got nothing. It's, it's, it's got nothing to do with color. Oh, we would love to bring five hundred thousand Syrian libertarians to Scotland. I certainly would. Yeah, I, I, I would like to. And, and, and on the same boat, I'd like to. I'm not saying I would or I should be able to. I'd like to put five hundred thousand white Scottish socialists and <laughs> send them to whatever utopian, well, dystopian <laughs> socialist hellhole they want to go. Um, you know, that's how racist I am. I should, but, I yeah. should, I should laugh. I but. would like to deport the socialists to Denmark <laughs> and the. Uh, and the radical feminists to Sweden and the fascists to wherever they go and the communists to Cuba. I'd also like to actually deport idiots to countries that have an averagely low IQ and save their <laughs> and save the most intelligent people in those countries. Okay. Uh, I, I don't we're gonna, think, I don't think this is politically correct. I don't, no, I'm, I don't, I'm just going to accept it. I can see your point. I mean, the, the argument can be made. And, and it's not, particularly valid in regard to, for example, Sharia. Right. If you exactly. want Sharia law, there are 40-something exactly. countries in the world which, have, which, which operate it. Where they have that yes. law, yeah. but don't, don't try and impose it on, on a country here. which doesn't have it. And that, and that is, that is, again, it's an alien legal system. It's an okay. alien cultural system. Exactly the same yeah. with the EU. Okay, final point, Alan. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to your pension funds in this show, but we might, <laughs> we might do it another time. Yeah. Uh, the big one for me, big difference between me and you, Scottish independence. Now, I mean, I was a young Scottish nationalist at one point, you know, and I do believe in, I, I believe Scotland's a, it's a separate country with a separate history. We were the oldest kingdom in Europe. We had our own laws. You could, ar- yeah, you could argue that, you know, the, the declaration of our growth is a wonderful document in of itself. Um, but it, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it gives gives the people it, the right actually, to get rid of rulers who do not represent them and does not defend their independence. There's that wonderful that wonderful line: "If this Robert should take should put should uh, what's it should should cease what he has what he has started and seek, yeah. and seek to de- deliver us unto the dominion of the English or any other people, then we shall cast him out." That is the interesting part for me of any other people, right? So it's not just things, it's anybody who seeks to make dominion over us, and that would include the EU as far as I'm concerned. Now, I I would say I was consistently for the principle of self-determination over the principle of union. That's that's consistently my position. The SNP, on the other hand, are inconsistent. They're for the principle of self-determination when it comes to England and the UK, but they're for the principle of union when it comes to the EU. Is that not a a demonstration that they're actually off the anyone but England? Well, absolutely. (laughs) For me, they have demonstrated demonstrated that what people have been accusing them of for 30, 40 years, which is that they're just an anti-English party, as far as I've concerned, they've made the case with that. Now, UKIP, on the other hand, for the principle of self-determination when it comes to the United Kingdom, for the principle of union, uh, sorry, uh, I, I follow. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you, you, you get what I'm saying why, here. Why yeah. would, do we want to leave the EU yeah. and at the same time want to keep the United Kingdom united? Yeah. Well, it, it comes down to as partly history, mm. partly shared culture, partly shared shared ties as separate kingdoms, if you like, England mm. and Scotland. We fought, we fought four hundred years war. You know, basically yeah. from the end of the end of the twelve hundreds until until the Scots won by James VI taking English so <laughs> You can make that argument. I don't know if it holds water, but anyway, yeah. go for it. Um, and so you had the Union of the Crowns, but it was still two separate kingdoms, yeah. even under one monarch. And then you have Union of Parliament seventeen oh seven, which uh, led to riots in Scotland, as we yeah. all know. And uh, eight years later, you had the 1715 rebellion, and yeah. thirty years later, you had another rebellion. Yeah, but. Since that time, Scots, English, Welsh, Irish have all shared a very 
great common history and common endeavours. Um, you know, I think... But none, really, of that, none of that has to go, though, just no, because you, you, you well, separate. I mean, well, Canada's well, an independent country. Australia's an independent country. New Zealand's an independent country. Yet we still share common bonds we, and we ties. Do, we do, we do it doesn't indeed. have to go. We do, we do indeed. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, how many people get divorced and they get on a lot better with their wife <laughs> after the divorce you, than they did during the marriage? Would you, would you federalise... I mean, there was a motion. There was a motion at the UK conference in Bournemouth for a federal United Kingdom. It was voted down. Right. It was so what a federal United Kingdom with an English Parliament and a Scottish Parliament, and the own and, the, and Westminster's and Westminster's only Westminster's only overar- overarching powers were effectively foreign policy and defence. Okay, I, I, I would favour that would over the existing that. setup. I think I'd actually favour that mm-hmm. over. I perhaps favour that over independence because just it seems to make sense not to have to have two militaries and and so forth. Yeah. What was what was your own feelings on that? My own my own feelings were sort of torn. I could yes. see both positions. Um, I mean, I've I've got a lot of relatives live in England. I mean, they're Scots. Yeah. They live in England, um, and the idea that we're not part of the same country anymore just doesn't mm. fit well with me. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I, 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 a lot I, of people have got relations yeah, in France. Grand, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I've 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 spent I spent eleven years in South Africa. Um, I've lived in lived in Tottenham, Pakistan. Um, I've been I've been to obviously France on extended periods. Even there, even with even the most Anglo-centric bands, <laughs> probably South Africa. I mean, certainly yeah. the, the English-speaking part of Johannesburg. I mean, everyone's bilingual more or less, but there are an awful lot of people who only speak English. And the the feeling that you're British mm-hmm. was still there, you know, yeah. um, and. The, I found that the the bonds between the English and the Scots were incredibly strong, and and it's because of I think our a shared outlook on life to a large degree. Um, we have we have both. What do you say? We still have separate legal systems, but both sides have sort of borrowed bits from each other. Mm-hmm. Although the English haven't quite learned learned to get to, to demand corroboration yet. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Well, even though the SNP voted to bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. sorry, I had to get my little political yeah. digging. But but we've, we've sort of amalgamated an awful lot together. Um, and while we've keep our, we keep our customs and, and our traditions mm-hmm. and Separate outlooks, you know. I mean, I want, I want to, I want to see us win at Murrayfield as much as anybody else wants to see us win at Murrayfield. But um, I mean, but we are ultimately, we have always been stronger together than apart. We've always done more for each other as a united kingdom. I mean, the point, the point of the phrase is a united kingdom. I mean, if you, if you look at the, the but nation, then even an independent Scotland would still be part of a United Kingdom in the sense that the Queen would still be head of state. I think, well, as opposed to as opposed to President Sturgeon. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, when it comes to this point, I think at the end of the day, people have sentiments, mm. and some people feel that their sentiment calls them to feel more British than Scottish, and some people feel like their sentiments call uh, make them feel Scottish, and I. I personally, I actually didn't vote in the Scottish independence election. And my justification for that was I thought the vast majority of people were voting based on sentiment and then finding the facts to back up those positions. From a libertarian perspective, I could see a case for independence because it's a smaller government, a smaller whip. Mm -hmm. I could also see the case against it from a libertarian perspective because Quite frankly, Scotland's full of lefties, <laughs> and they're big government lefties. Yeah, I accept There's also the issue that is, isn't it a separate? Is, isn't yeah. it another layer of government? Exactly. Well, perhaps. And the only thing I wanted to, I said at the time was, if you gave me a crystal ball and I could see the future, then I would vote. But to be honest, I thought it was highly ignorant and presumptuous of me to vote, and also of everyone else, <laughs> given the state. Of but you voted Texas for Brexit, or, though. Yeah, but I didn't think that. I thought that was clear cut. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of you I, two. I just find it quite bizarre that when you look at the 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 
the Remain campaign versus the Brexit campaign, and you look at the yes versus no campaign in Scotland, it seems to me... The same tactics were used. It's almost as if the SNP and the UKIP went, no, you take our script and we'll take your script, right? <laughs> and it's discombobulated. And it's exa- you go, anyway, all these arguments you're making for remaining are the exact same arguments they were making. You know, oh, you know, do you really want to put borders up? Do you really want to, oh, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> you know, giant rats are going to roam the streets eating their children right now. It, it, it's mad, isn't it? The, 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 I think there is... There are issues here, um, right. but there is, there is one fundamental difference. Uh, if, if, and I fear an independent Scotland under the SNP yeah, just as much as anybody I else does. I, right? I, th- I think the fundamental difference between the United Kingdom as an entity and the European Union as an entity... Do you think it's organic? As opposed very much. Okay. Um, the, the UK has sort of gradually melded. Right. Uh, I mean... Yes, you had the. I mean, they had you had the union of the crowns mm-hmm. for a, for a hundred years before they actually had the union of the parliaments. Mm-hmm. So by that time, the countries were sort of, sort of sorted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the meantime, you'd had the, you'd had the bishops war, you'd had the civil yeah. war, the covenanters, and all that, where Scots had fought for the king and Scots had fought for parliament mm-hmm. and vice versa, and they all fought each other. And you know, we we'd all sort of got a point where we sort of got along. And then, but and we, we had a common enemy. I don't want to make a religious name, <laughs> but we England and Scotland suddenly had a common enemy in Rome, <laughs> which actually you could argue is exactly the same situation we're in today. Yeah, like, we have some called common enemy in Brussels, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um, the but it, it, the point is, it wasn't. Well, you can see it was there was there was bribery and stuff, and it probably was for people the pastel rob robbing robes and, yeah. and all that. Mm. But the the ultimate result of that, it's done and it's dusted, it's been done and we've lived with it and it has been a success, it has been clearly successful. Right. Uh, I mean, what, you can, you, it's hard to say that the United Kingdom is not a successful nation. It is, it is, it, it is by any standards immensely successful. But then if the EU was successful, would you want to still be a member? Would you want to... The problem with the EU is it, it, it is not and cannot be successful because it does, it has not taken the people with it. Okay. Um, without serious levels of probably bloodshed, I don't think that you're going to get a united Europe anytime soon. Um, you're already in a position where, as I said, we were campaigning for Brexit. We had guys from Greece. <laughs> yeah, okay. they hate the, the Greeks hate the Germans again. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, when the French when the French match was coming on France Scotland. And all the French fans are handing out leaflets in Waterloo Place. And they're all going, yes, save us from Brussels. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is the French. You, yeah. you know, but I mean, people forget. I mean, they, I mean yeah. they, this is it. I mean, people forget that 10 years ago, under the, the European Constitution, France voted 55-45 against the European Constitution. The Dutch voted 2-1 against the European Constitution. Mm. And what did they do? Instead they just of, gave they, them it again until they got the answer. They, took the, they, they, didn't, they yes. took the wrapper off, yeah. put a new one on, called it the Lisbon Treaty, That's and right. then they signed yeah. it up. That's right. And, I mean, the Labour Party, who were in government at the time, were actually That's sued. Right. They, they, their manifesto province was um, a referendum, so was the Tories. Cameron never lived up to that. So an open goal, Cameron could have actually guaranteed a 2010 victory in that, in, in that election, simply by somewhere in 29 putting forward a opposition day motion for a referendum in the Constitution, and he because yeah. it would have been voted down, he would have lost it. But he's then going, see, we keep our manifesto promises; they don't, and we don't walk, even yeah. walk the election. <laughs> it demonstrates the lack of political announce that the the guy has. But, but the point is that somebody actually took the Labour Party to court, the Labour government to court over that referendum manifesto promise, and their solicitor argued in a court of law that a manifesto promise is not binding. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, that's how much trust you can have. At that point, you just have to go, no, we've got to do it ourselves. And that's the thing. We've got to do it ourselves. Uh, and ultimately, yeah. as, a, as a nation, this United Kingdom has done it itself for hell of a long time. And it's done a pretty damn good job at it. Well, we, as long as we believe in ourselves, I think we're fine. I, I, I don't think I won't agree with that, but I agree with, with one thing: you can't trust the government. So, <laughs> so on that Alan, note, 
can, they, can, they, can they finish with can, can they finish with an opposite quote for that well okay Lady Kilminster <laughs> the late and much lamented whoever you vote for the government still gets in that's wonderful <laughs> that's true so Alan thank you so much for thank coming in the show Everyone, check out Alan Melville's excellent presentation on SNP and civil liberties. If you want to pick up some of the topics that we've talked about today, we had a Brexit debate. We have a video on the myth of Scandinavian socialism creating success in Scandinavia, where we discuss the consequence of Sweden's short-lived immigration policy. Yeah. There's also an episode where we discuss military spending in more detail. Our show is a free buffet of delightful, delicious information and also quite funny. I like the thing. So <laughs> okay. thanks for tuning in. Until so, next time, don't be a righty. Or a lefty. Be, be libertarians. libertarians.